0: Today on Moody Presents with Mark Job, we'll learn that the more we walk in the light of Christ, the more we need to change. The more
1: years you've walked in God, the more you will realize how
0: much you need the
1: cleansing power of God every day in your life.
0: Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and today we pick up with part two of our brand new series called Contrast. The reason for the title, you ask? Well, because to share Jesus Christ with a needy world, you and I need to live in sharp contrast to the way the world around us would have us live, right? Well, let's get back into our message to help drive home the importance of getting cleaned up for ministry. One important aspect is fellowship. And according to Pastor Mark, that doesn't just mean a potluck in the church basement. Let's move through 1 John chapter 1, and here's Pastor Mark.
1: We're going to the fellowship hall, and some of you have the idea of fellowship is I'm hanging out in the foyer of the church with a cup of coffee, talking about the bulls and, and the weather and what's going on, and you said I was just fellowshipping with the brothers. And, and, and I understand what you're saying. But this word is much deeper than hanging out over a cup of coffee, shooting the breeze about the weather. This is about sharing a bond that's deep, partnering, opening up your life, sharing life together. John says, I'm writing this letter to you so that you can have this deep, powerful relationship with God. Not just so you can know about God, but so that you can walk with God, experience God, live with God, fellowship with Him, share life with Him. He says, I want you to have fellowship with God. And I'm writing this entire letter so that you can have fellowship with God. Here's what I've discovered over the years, that a lot of people know about God like we know about the president. And you believe in God like you believe in the president. You know facts about God like you know facts about the president. You feel like you know God because you've heard about him and heard stories about him like you've heard about the president and seen his speeches on TV and watched what he does, but in reality, you don't really know him. Many people have a relationship with God like we have with a figure that we know about, but we really don't have a relationship. We confuse knowledge about God with relationship with God. The great majority of the people, I believe, that are religious, if you were to ask them, do you have a relationship with God, they would confuse knowledge about God with relationship. John is saying, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the ability, the right to have fellowship with God, a deep, intense, powerful relationship with God Almighty. And John says, I'm writing this book so that you can have fellowship with God that way. And I write this to make your joy complete, because when you have that kind of relationship, your joy is going to be complete. So he goes on to explain the problem, and I've mentioned it to you already. The problem, he says, is this. The problem is that God is light, and we walk in darkness, and there's a problem of sin. If God is light, and there's purity in Him, uh, the, the technical religious word for it is holy. Holy. Holy means that he's set apart like no other. There's no blemish, there's no spot, there's no wrinkle, there's no sin. There's no mistakes that God has ever committed. So God is pure and undefiled. Yet we are defiled and impure. In Romans, it tells us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All of us have blemishes in our soul. All of us have stains. All of us carry sin. All of us have disobeyed God. All of us have missed the mark. So God is holy. We are unholy. God says, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to walk with you. I want to have relationship with you. But there's a problem. A holy God cannot interact with unholy people. So what do we do about the problem? What is the solution to having fellowship with God, and John addresses it right now. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you three steps to coming clean and wrong thinking that keeps us stuck out of fellowship with God. First of all, write this down. Number one, if you want a relationship with God, you have to begin to live in the light. A wrong thinking is is we say we have a relationship with God, but we still live in darkness. Notice what it says in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, referring to God, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. John says if you claim you have a relationship with God, but you are living your life, in a dark way, then the reality is that you're lying because you don't have a relationship with God and the truth is not really in you. Whoa, heavy talk. John is saying there's a lot of people that say they know God, but they really don't. You want to hold on to that bitterness, but because you want right relationship with God, God convicts you about the bitterness, and so you can hang on to it for a little while, but you have to let go of it because you desire your relationship with God more than you desire to hang on to your bitterness. So God convicts you, and you finally say, all right, God. I'm going to release the person, Lord. I forgive them. Vengeance is yours, you say, Lord, please bring it about. But no, I'm going to forgive them, Lord. (laughs) You see, what happens, as a believer, you're going to be tempted. As a believer, you're going to sin. But as a believer, what drives you to get things right is you desire a relationship with more with God than you desire to hang on to those things that are a part of the darkness. So you're going to fall, but you're going to quickly get up and... A true believer that's walking in God and walking in fellowship with God cannot stay long in their sin before they're convicted and turned around by the grace and the power of God that will drive him to them, to back to the cross, back to God, and back to himself. That's what it means of walking in the light. In verse 8 it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Number two, if we want fellowship with God, you have to change the way you think about yourself. Our wrong thinking says we are unwilling to acknowledge sin in our lives. Listen. Listen john says if you claim to be without sin if you're here today and you say you know i don't think i have any sin that guy a lot my wife pastor i you know i wish i had time to tell you got a lot of issues issues. (laughs) me you know i mean i'm human so, I'm not perfect, but, but, you know, I can't think of really anything in my life. You know what the Bible says about you? Well, first of all, you got a major pride issue, okay? But the Bible says if you claim to be without sin, if you think that you're perfect, If you think that there's nowhere in your life to work on, nothing to repent of, you don't need the Holy Spirit, you don't need church, you don't need the Word of God, you don't need other people getting involved in your life and telling you to move forward. Listen, if you think you're without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. What's in you if the truth is not in you? Lies are in you. If you're here right now and you don't think you need the word, if you're here right now and you don't think you need the cleansing power of God, if you're here right now and you don't think you need other people to get in your life and to get into your business, if you're here right now and you don't think that there's anything in your life that needs improvement, I'm going to tell you the Bible says very clearly that you are in deception, that you have deceived yourself, you're blind with pride and self-deception. That's clearly what the word of God says. Because there's not one of us here that doesn't have something to work on. There's not one of us here that's arrived. Not a one of us. But let me tell you how it works. Chances are if you're here and you don't think you have anything to work on, it's because you've been hanging in the darkness too long. If you're, if you're in the dark and you look at yourself in the mirror, well, you don't see any flaws. I've used this illustration before, but when I was young, I lived in a little village in northern Spain, and a few miles away from my house were some caves. They've become very famous caves now, Las Cuevas de Atapuerca. They would go miles and miles underground. So as a a young boy, I used to love to go into these caves, and I had been around them long enough, so I kind of knew the caves and bring people in. We're from the city, never been in a cave, scare them half to death, abandon them in the middle of the cave. I'm, I'm not going to go there. I've already repented of all that. So, but, in, but when you're in the dark in the midst of a cave, you'd have to drag yourself through little holes and you would get muddy from top to bottom. But when you're in the dark, you you, you don't see how dirty you are. You look at the other person and... We have flashlights, a little flashlight, you can't see how dirty the so you think you're okay in the dark. But I remember as we would walk towards the entrance of the cave where the brightness was there, then suddenly we would start realizing how dirty we were. We'd start laughing at each other because we have mud all over our faces and all over. And then we would realize when we got out in the light how desperately dirty we really were. That's the same spiritually in our lives. Some of us are so in the dark, you're so living in the dark that you don't even realize how much you need to change. You're so living in the dark that you look at your life in the dark mirror and you think there's not a thing about my life that needs to be changed. Everybody else needs to change but not me. You're in total darkness. But I'm going to tell you, as you get closer to God, As you pull up to His holiness, as you start to walk in the light of God's glory, as you start getting closer to God, you're going to start seeing thing after thing, area after area, sin after sin, attitude after attitude that needs to be changed and conformed to the glory of His image. And the longer you walk with God, the more you're going to realize how much you fall short of God's glory. In fact, the more mature you are, the more years you've walked in God, the more you will realize how much you need the cleansing power of God every day in your
0: life. If you joined us midstream, you're listening to teaching from Dr. Mark Job, who is president of the Moody Bible Institute. More about getting clean, staying clean, as our message continues. First, though, question. Did you know that Bold Steps is Pastor Mark's daily radio program? Yeah, you can hear him every day on Bold Steps. There's a link to Bold Steps at our website, moodypresents.org. You'll learn more about the program and how you can listen at moodypresents.org. Hey, how about helpful resources to help you experience more of God's love, more of what you need right now in whatever situation you're going through? You'll find a great button at the top right hand corner of the page. It's called Resources. Give it a click. Our current focus is a life of learning. And boy, does that tie into today's message, right? A life of learning. You'll find articles, audio resources, blogs, and a whole lot more when you click on the Resources button at the top of the page at moodypresents.org. Now back to our teacher, Dr. Mark Job, here on Moody Presents.
1: You read the writings of Paul and the closer he got to God, the longer he lived in God. After walking with God for a long time, doing miracles, writing portions of the Bible, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who are we talking about? Paul. Now, are we talking about some half gangbanger guy that spends all his times in dark taverns in Pilsen? No, 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 no. no. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is saying, "Oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. This is the Apostle Paul. Why? Because the more he walks in the light, the more he realizes how much he needs to change. It is the epitome of arrogance. To believe that you do not need the Word of God in your life, so you don't need a place like this to gather. It's the epitome of arrogance to think that you can live your life on your own and you don't need other spiritual people in your life to challenge you or talk to you. It is the epitome of self-deception and arrogance to believe that there is nothing in your life that needs to be worked on. No attitude, no sin, no thought, no habit in your life. It's the epitome of self-deception to believe that you're okay. The great majority of the people around Chicagoland that we talk to that have very little interest in spiritual things, the great majority feel like, I'm okay. I mean, I'm not perfect but I'm a good person. As long as I mind my own business, don't try to hurt other people. I'm not a mass murderer. I'm not a, I, I don't try if people hurt me, I hurt them back. But you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty good. I think that I'm a good person. We do a survey out in Chicago and interview 1000 people. I can guarantee you that 950 of those people, if asked, are you a good person? They would say, yeah, I consider myself a good person. If I go down to 26 in California and interview all the inmates, especially the guys in in even the guys that are that are in high maximum security, and say, "Do you consider yourself a good person?" Yeah, yeah, you know, I got my issues, but I'm a good person. Most of us are under the self deception that we're good good people and that we're okay. The Bible tells us there is no one good, not one. There's no one that's righteous. There's no one that's made it. That is why all of us desperately need the work of Jesus in our life. It tells us in verse 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. What is confession? Confession is the acknowledgement. Confession is not just admitting that you sin, but confessing, confessing comes from the word homologeo in the Greek. It literally means to say the same things that God does about your sin. Confession here is in the present tense, which refers to a habitual confession. It's not like I confessed my sin one time when I went to confession when I was 12 it's using the word in the present tense, which means I confess, I continue to confess my sin on an ongoing basis. So if we confess our sin on an ongoing basis, I'm in the habit of confessing my sin because I continue to sin. Why is it that I have to get in the habit of confessing my sin? Because I keep sinning. I have to keep confessing my sin because I keep, I keep staining my sheet, my, my my page before God doesn't stay clean. One week into it, and if you were to do a clear, critical self-analysis of how you've lived, I bet you you could think back, and if you really were honest with yourself, in this past week, there's probably at least a hundred sins that you could come up with that you committed. And if you can't, just ask your wife. She'll help fill in the blanks. <laughs> or your kids. They'll remind you. I, I, I can't think of only five. Well, let me help you out here. When you're up to 500, they say, okay, stop, stop. I get the point. So if we continue to confess our sins for the believer, here's what it means. You and I as a believer... We have a relationship with God, but it's not just about having a relationship. It's about having fellowship. It's not just about I'm a son of God. I want to walk with God. So therefore, when I sin, I quickly deal with it. I confess it. I agree with God about my sin. And if I agree with God about my sin, it means I say, God, I have... Anger and bitterness towards this person, you asked me to forgive. I agree that this is not how I should live. I agree that you've forgiven me. So if you've forgiven me, I forgive them. So today I release them. And I ask, I confess my bitterness and anger before you cleanse my heart. I want to walk in fellowship with you. I agree with God about my sin so that I can walk clean before God. And so I continue to confess my sin. Some of you say, well, pastor, do I have to confess my sin to someone? Some of you grew up in a tradition where you were told that the only way that you could get forgiveness of your sin is if you confessed your sin to a clergy. And that clergy had the power to absolve you from your sin. And if, unless you confessed it to the clergy and you died without that confession happening, that you would go to some place of torture until it was taken out of your system. So you live in constant fear. Let me, ex- let me tell you what the Bible says about that. The Bible says that the only one that has power to forgive your sin. You confess your sins to God through Jesus, and he has the power to wipe your your slate clean. He has the power to forgive you your sin. You confess your sins to people so that you can experience strength and healing. James says if we confess our sins one to another and pray for one, one for another, we shall be healed. So we confess our sins to God, for forgiveness we confess our sins to other people and believe me it doesn't have to be a clergy please don't line up to confess all your sins to me i really don't want to hear them to be honest with you <laughs> you confess your sins to others to experience healing you confess your sins to god to experience freedom and fellowship so he says if we confess our sins listen he is faithful if we confess our sins he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. What does it mean that he's faithful? It means that God, God's not going to say one day, here you are again, and I thought you were just talking about this a month ago. Forget it. I'm not going to forgive you this time. God's not that way. God's faithful. If we confess our sins, don't just admit it, If you truly confess, you will repent and leave your sin away. Confessing is not just, I'm confessing it now so I can fall in two days from now. Confession means, I confess it's not right for me. I agree with it. I'm leaving it behind. I want to walk in fellowship with you, God. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and he's just and will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen to me, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, walking in right relationship with him, then you should be on an ongoing, daily, regular basis be confessing your sins to God so that you are walking constantly with a clean, pure heart before God Almighty. There is no reason right now that you cannot be in right relationship with God unless you refuse to confess and repent of your sin. It's available to everybody. Lastly, If you want to have fellowship with God, you have to change the way you see your story. In verse 8 it says, if we confess we have no sin, which means you see yourself as not having sin. This is about our past. If If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him who? God out to be a liar and His word has no place in our lives. Our wrong thinking is when we don't admit there's a track record of sin in our life. Listen, you and I, we're sinners. I know it's hard to say because I know some of us don't see ourselves as really being sinners. But, but let's just clear the air. I am a sinner. Go ahead, say it out loud. I am. <laughs> and being a believer and follower of Jesus Christ doesn't make me not a sinner, I'm still a sinner. But I'm a sinner that has been washed, cleansed, saved by grace. And now when God looks at me and refers to me as a saint and not a sinner, because although I sin, now I quickly deal with it and walk in fellowship with the Father because I desire more than anything in life, I desire a right relationship with
0: God. I can't help but thinking somebody is listening right now who absolutely is saying, I need this, I don't have this right relationship with God and i'd I'd like to have it. Let me encourage you to pray with me right now if that's the the cry of your heart. Let's pray together, you and me. There's no magic in my words, but if you want to receive Jesus as the leader of your life, the forgiver of your sins, this is your moment. all right let's pray together, Lord God, I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my wrongdoing, my sins. And I'm asking you to clean me up. I, I need this right relationship with God. Uh, I don't want it to be a theory or a message I heard on the radio or online. I want it to be my life. You at the center of my life, Jesus, my, my Savior. Please forgive me for my sins and, and be my Savior from this day forward, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you can continue this conversation that you and I are having right now about knowing Jesus online at Chat About Jesus chataboutjesus.org. Rather speak to an actual human voice? Well, that's possible too at 888-NEED-HIM. Either way, by the way, you're talking to a real person. 888-NEED-HIM, or if it's more convenient online, chataboutjesus.org. Well, there's a whole lot more to learn about walking in the light. I'm John Geiger, looking forward to next week's message with Pastor Mark Job, here on Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.